Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor of Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always, and today we continue our preview of the NBA's upcoming season. We are going to go through the Eastern Conference's Central Division. They've got some team named the Cavaliers in there that are pretty good, but also some other interesting stories like Detroit. We're going to go through all of them, but first I wanted to say, if you like this podcast, please subscribe via iTunes, go in there and comment, or find us on Stitcher and subscribe there. These are the easiest ways to find us and get all the information and all the podcasts as we move into the season where we'll be talking to more players like we recently did with Lonzo Ball, as well as uh, movers and shakers and media members from around the league discussing all the latest news throughout the season. So subscribe on iTunes. And now let's get right to this. And joining me to break down the Central Division, uh, none other than our own Dan Feldman of NBC Sports, who uh, lives in Detroit and sees a lot of a lot of games from teams in this division and is uh, about as well-versed as anyone. Uh, thanks for joining me, Dan. Thanks for having me. Hey, let's let's start with the fun stuff, by the way, before we get to the Cavs. You've been doing some really good analytical work, and, and you're going to be doing a lot more through the season. Where can people find you on Twitter to keep track of what you're doing? I'm at Dan Feldman NBA. Cool. All right, well, let's get to – look, I think if we're going to talk about the Central Division – it has to start with Cleveland. Obviously, they're going. They're going to win the division. They're probably still the best team in the East. Uh, but obviously, major shakeups this summer with Kyrie Irving forcing his way out, uh, going to Boston in a trade that brings them Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas um, and Ante Zizic, and most importantly for I think Cleveland in some ways, the Brooklyn pick for this upcoming draft. On the court this season, I mean, I know we, we've discussed before why they did this, why why Cleveland wants that Brooklyn pick in case LeBron leaves as kind of insurance, and I don't think they're going to trade it this year. But that comes now to on the court, how quickly do you think they get Isaiah Thomas back? And if he misses camp, how hard does it become to, to integrate him during the season? When does he come back? I have no idea. Like, I have no idea, and what concerns me is I'm not sure the Cavs have an idea because they're playing it like they have no idea. Now, sometimes teams have an idea and just don't want to put pressure on the player and and create like questions if like he doesn't meet the timeline. And so a lot of times timelines are vague, but this is like especially vague, and they're being especially like secretive about anything that they know. And so maybe they just don't know, and that's kind of scary. Uh, it's but, but I think it, he'll mesh pretty well. I think he's similar enough to Kyrie in a lot of ways uh, that the current Cavs can just pick up where they left off. And I, I think Isaiah's a very smart player and one who can adapt, who's played in some different circumstances throughout his career. He has done that. And by the way, in you know, 
Isaiah did a lot of isolation. Uh, Tyron Lue lets his hot hand kind of just get the ball and go in isolation. But honestly, there was a lot of that last year in Boston. Like, like, Isaiah Thomas did most of the shot creation for that team. As much as they, Brad Stevens does have ball movement and do all this stuff, there were times where they just turned Isaiah Thomas loose plenty. And I think that that's kind of be the case here. Like, you can turn LeBron loose anytime you want, but now you can, on the right nights, you can start turning Isaiah Thomas loose uh, once he gets healthy. Or actually, I think the big question becomes not just when he gets healthy, but if. I mean, this is a guy whose entire game is based on kind of crafty movements and being able to be a little bit explosive and get to the rim. If he's not quite the same guy, they're going to miss that. Yes, yes. I mean, absolutely. Like, I think it's a fair question to ask whether he'll become healthy healthy enough to be his full self, not just to get back on the court, but to be, let's just even, not even what he was last season. Let's just say what he was the season before, which was still an all-star, still a really good player. I think it's an open question whether he'll be healthy enough ever again to reach that level. And which is concerning if you're Isaiah Thomas, because this is a contract year and, and you're one big kick at the can. And you know, whether that's in Cleveland or somewhere else, and I think there's a lot of teams that would ha- that would have interest in him as a draw, as a as hey, we're developing or we're rebuilding or we're doing whatever. But Isaiah Thomas will bring bring people in the door. Fans love him it, with good reason. It's a it's a relatable story. It's hard for you and I to relate to LeBron James. We are not six foot seven or six foot nine with with this insane physique and the you know feet of wings and just you know he is such a an anomaly and it's the same frankly i don't same with kobe same with i don't relate to what anthony davis is going through but isaiah thomas is five nine isaiah thomas has fought for everything and been discounted and overcome it and so that's a really i mean that's a great story that is so it's so easy to relate to him it's so easy to want to cheer him on and see him do well um but he'll so someone will bring him in but I don't know that he's getting the money he hopes he's getting. I, you know, I, I, I guess it depends on how you want to define Brink's truck. But if it's Max, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that he gets that money. No, he's definitely not getting the max. Like Kyle Lowry's free agency yeah, changed that's actually the whole a good equation. Number. Well, now and, for people who don't know, that was about three years, one hundred million. I'm going to forget the exact number off the top of my head, but in that ballpark, and that may be where he lands. Well, so I think it. I mean, I think it's probably going to be less because of the health concerns. Like, Kyrie, or, uh, Kyle Lowry was coming off an awesome season and still didn't get it. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, I think, with his health concerns, uh, is going to get well less than that. Yeah, so, still, I mean, we're talking about his one kick at the can. And I think, by the way, what teams are concerned about, and that'll include Cleveland, um, if they decide they need, if, if he plays well enough that, and LeBron stays and they're going to keep him, or even if LeBron goes and they decide they want to keep him, it's that fourth and fifth year nobody really wants. I, I What concerns teams about Isaiah Thomas is, even if he plays well this year, this is not a guy built for the long term in terms of, he's yeah, he's undersized, he plays this, uh, reckless isn't the word I'm looking for, but he throws his body around in there, he's willing to absorb the contact. There's a lot of abuse going on with his body, and it makes you think that this is going to decline pretty quickly when it declines, whether it's this injury or something else. So nobody wants to be the fourth and fifth year of that deal. It's the third, you know, about the third year is about as deep as it goes. Right. And and I guess another contract that really has, has changed the paradigm is uh, Paul Millsap 
to yep. get only two years guaranteed. Like teams are becoming more worried about this, and enough of them are that there's not necessarily that one team willing to do the four year max that that forces the incumbent team to do it. Like it or the the most desirable team. So if you hold firm, uh, these two examples show you'll probably come out ahead. Well, let's get back to the Cavaliers on the court. Isaiah Thomas, let's say Isaiah Thomas comes back and it, at, at some point, and it may be, maybe it's the All-Star break, but he comes back and he's, he's some reasonable form of himself. They're still the best team in the East, aren't they? I mean, I think they... I, you and I have said this before, and I think we're on the same page. I'm not betting against LeBron James coming out of the Eastern Conference until some team actually beats LeBron James and he doesn't come out of the Eastern Conference. He's that, he's that big a force still. On top of that, I, they've still got good role players around this team. You know, uh, Kyle Korver is declining, but the guy can hit shots. I love the the uh, Jay Crowder pickup. He didn't defend as well as he, you know, there was a step back slightly last year, but he's the kind of wing defender they need. J.R. Smith can still make plays. And by the way, Kevin Love still puts up points, man. You're going to run more stuff for Kevin Love. He's going to score, and he's going to score efficiently. Right. A consequence of having LeBron and Kyrie the last few years is you haven't taken full advantage of Kevin Love. So yes, they're going to lose something when they when they traded Kyrie, but Kevin Love is is going to have room to do more. I do question a little bit how much more he can do relative to like the peak form we saw of him in Minnesota. He's older, he's been through some injuries. I'm not sure he's quite athletic as athletic as he was then. Uh, but I think we're going to see more of him. I I don't know if you caught this. I thought it was funny the other day. Uh, Tyron Lue was quoted by by Zach Lowe saying. You know, we think Kevin Love's going to have his best season yet with us. Uh, and then when, uh, I think it was Joe Varden at Cleveland.com asked Lou about that quote, uh, Lou's like, oh, I said that? Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, so it shows, shows how confident he is in what he said about Kevin Love. But I do think Kevin Love is set up to have a pretty nice year. Yeah, exactly. If, if, if you're listening to this and thinking about drafting your fantasy teams, Kevin Love might not be a bad call early in the season. I think he's going to put up better numbers just because he's going to get more opportunity. Um, this year, and they're going to run. Their talk. Tyron Lue was rightfully talking about running more stuff through him with with love at the elbow because you can't leave him; he'll kill you. And he's a very good passer, so you can get some assists out of that and get their offense moving. Um, but then again, they talk about ball movement in that in, in Cleveland a lot, and then it just reverts. So we'll see what their offense looks like. But I still think they're good. I trust them right now. Look, clearly the number two team with Kyrie now is is Boston. But with 11 new players, only four returning, four new starters, and and just questions about how good their defense... I mean, I don't think their defense is going to be bad in Boston, but I still think I trust Cleveland to be elite finals-worthy more than I trust Boston. And, and then after that, it's, you know, Toronto or Washington. I'm not, I'm not sure either of those teams get there. It's, it's Cleveland to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm with you. Uh, the Cavs have the right blend, I think, of chemistry and and new players coming in who, who fit, who help. Uh, I think Jay Crowder will be particularly valuable against the Warriors. To me, to me, the Cavs are that far ahead. Where, yeah, yeah you got you got to beat Boston. Like, you do, and the Celtics will still be good. But you've got to think about, like, how do you match up with the Warriors? Like, the Celtics aren't enough of a concern where you're trying to match up well with them. It's all about the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. And, and they could use another wing defender and stuff. And, and by the way, that could happen. Like they, they could go looking for those kind of guys. They've got time this summer. But I, it is Cleveland and everybody else. I don't know that they made other moves this summer that are going to dramatically change them. But again, you've been to the finals three straight years. 
how much tweaking are you really going to do? I think, you know, the, by the way, an interesting thing I did write about briefly yesterday, uh, Tyron Lue also in those interviews had said, hey, we're sticking with our starting front court. Um, but they now have, with Jay Crowder, the ability, you can put Love at the five, LeBron at the four, Crowder at the three, and then, you know, Corver Smith and, and, and your point guard, uh, whether that's Rose. By the way, we didn't we have not discussed Derek Rose because I don't think he makes that big a difference, <laughs> really, unless he's getting a lot of minutes this year because Isaiah Thomas is out, and that's not really a good thing. Um, but whoever you run, they can run smaller lineups. I, I, that's an interesting smaller lineup that can defend a little and, and, be, and be dangerous. Well, with Derek Rose, I think one area he could make a big difference. Look, they need Isaiah Thomas back and healthy yeah. to be fully functioning, to be like that real threat to the Warriors because Derek Rose, like, is not not only is I'm not sure if he's starting caliber anymore just in a vacuum. He's a poor fit with those other starters. But think about those very few minutes where LeBron and Kyrie sat during the finals last year, and the Cavs got absolutely torched and could not score. Yeah, Derrick Rose could help there for like five minutes a game in the finals. That could be very big, uh, just just to get some points on the board and not completely fall apart in those minutes. Uh, Rose could be helpful as far as what you're talking about with with the lineup. Like, I do think this is kind of a problem for the Cavs. If you think about who are the, when healthy, their five best players, not in order, LeBron, Kevin Love, Isaiah Thomas, uh, I'd say Jay Crowder, and I'd say probably Tristan Thompson. Yeah. You can't put all five of them on the court. Like, so if you're going to have Love at center, that means Thompson's going to be on the bench. You'll have J.R. Smith in or Amon Shumpert if he hasn't been dumped yet. And so I think ideally you want to be able to put your five best players on the court in a good lineup. Like, that's what the very best teams can do. And I don't think the Cavs can do that. No, that's actually a good point. And by the way, we're talking about them. Hey, maybe you can go small again. I don't know if you want to go small against the Warriors. I don't like to know how long you want to play that game with them. So it is a problem, but I still think that they win. How many? I'm curious, though, how good they are going to be. I don't question that they're going to come out of the East, that they can get this thing together, that they have the pieces to win it. But are they the two seed again and and maybe 53, 54, 55 wins? They're not blowing people off, you know, out the door with wins during the regular season again? I I don't know that they're going to be a regular season juggernaut the way they have been. Well, or, I don't really, know. I don't know if they LeBron, have been, frankly. LeBron has a, a motivation uh, with this team being shook up a little more. Like, last year was very much like, all right, running it back, everybody's back, like, same old, same old. Uh, Kyrie kind of put LeBron on blast a little bit, whether he meant to or not, and I think he did mean to, but whether he meant to or not, like, everybody's kind of looking at LeBron now, like, oh, like, are you, are you just kind of, like, done in Cleveland? Are you, are you not doing anything else? Are you, like, a pain to play with? Like, this reflected on LeBron, I think that gives him a little more motivation to, to come out during the regular season, and and show he's still an elite player. Yeah. Well, let's move on from the Cavaliers, who, again, we, we kind of know where they stand, but they're going to be good this year. Second place in this division, probably the Bucks. I will go with We'll yeah. talk about them next. They are certainly an up-and-coming team, and mostly, frankly, they're an up-and-coming team because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek freak is an all-NBA-level player. They put the ball in his hands, um, once he develops, and by the way, I genuinely believe it's once he develops, not if he develops, a, a, a more consistent jump shot. I'm not sure how you stop the guy. Um, but then again, the pieces around him, I'm is Jabari Parker healthy? I'm just not sold 
that this team is taking another step forward, or at least a big step. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, yeah, Parker's out, uh, but they, they have Chris Middleton healthy. He missed half of last season with injury. So it's basically just swapping injury problems. I think on paper, this is a team that should take a step forward. I think Middleton is a little bit of a better fit right now. He's more of a veteran with what they're doing than, than Jabari Parker. And they have several young players, obviously Giannis, uh, but also Tony Snell, Malcolm Brogdon, Thawne Maker. All the, if all those guys make the typical incremental improvement with somebody their age, I think this is a team that should rise. I just don't really trust Jason Kidd. Like, he's looked like a very good coach at times. At other times, like, his rotations have been weird. He, he's done some weird things. Like, he hasn't sustained it. Like, I, I don't know why. Because he, at times, he looks like a very good He's just figured out how to play with this team now and or to coach this team now, and it's going to be on the rise. Just for some reason, and on paper, it looks like they should should be on the come up. I just don't fully trust that they are. Yeah, they went forty two and forty last year. They really there weren't really big moves this off season. I mean, they did lose Michael Beasley. Um, <laughs> who helped them? Who? Hey, by the way, he's just Carmelo on the left side of the court. If you, <laughs> if you ask Michael Beasley, um, he is Carmelo on the left side of the court. To which I would argue, I, I'm Carmelo when he's on IR. Like I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, and by the way, Vegas has them taking a step forward. I think it's 47 and a half. It's possible, isn't it? I mean, I think it's possible because of this. Giannis is that good. Like, we, if if he takes another step forward, this whole team takes a step forward. Okay, let me, let me I'm, I'm going to be the Grinch for a second. I think Giannis is, is great and on the right track and, like, how he elevated himself from, like, a rising good player into a near superstar last year was incredible. And I, I you know, he's one of the, the handful of players, like, if you're starting a team today, he is on the short list of where you start. But I think he played over his head just a little bit last year. I think there's going to be some regression to the mean, where he's still a very good player, but but it's not going to necessarily be that same, like, skyward ascension that he's been on. Like, at some point... Logic says, history says, if you look at other similar players, there could be some leveling off. You know, there could be some ups and downs. Like, it trends upward, but it doesn't always go steadily upward at the same rate. And I'm just, I don't know. I think expectations for Giannis might be a little too high for next season. Okay. They've got, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm rooting for him. He's like one of the best players to watch. I'm rooting for him not to be that. But I'm not totally sold on the progression of the guys around him either. Is Thon Maker showed some promise last year. Um, can he continue on that road? I mean, technically the potential's there, but I'm not as sold. Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year, but almost by default, really. I mean, and, and, and I say this as a voter who voted for Brogdon because I thought his minutes mattered more than Dario Saric's empty calories and the 31 games Embiid played. And, you know, we could get into the debate there, but I'm not sure Brogdon has a massive ceiling more than, you know, six man's last fifth starter rotation guy kind of player. I'm not sure he's that great. And I'm not sure who else on that team helps them take a big step forward this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's got to be small gains all around. But but they were winning team last year. Like, that's a nice base. And especially if we're in the context of this division, like, to me, they're, they're a very strong number two. I don't think anybody's yeah. super close to them. No, I think that that's true. I, I Also, I 
can their defense get better? Their offense, you know, middle of the pack last year, but their defense was was 19th in the league in points per possession. They gamble a lot. There's you got all these long athletic guys and they create turnovers, but they don't consistently get stops. And I think that that's the next step for them. Like it's great when you're disruptive and aggressive and and trying to throw the other team off, but especially when you get to the playoffs, teams will adjust. Teams will be patient with that. And if you and make you start paying for those gambles, and I, I'm curious if they can improve their defense by just reining it in a little. Being, I don't want to say being more conservative because you still, again, you want to create those turnovers, you want to have disruption. But if you're going to have somebody, if you're going to have somebody jumping a passing lane, then there's got to be coverage for that, or or you're going to start paying the price. And I think that that's the next step for them defensively. If they can do that, maybe there is a step forward there. And part of it, by the way. Another reason they could take a step forward this year, just in pure wins, he sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> they're going to get four. Yeah. They are going to get four games against the Pacers. They are going to get four games against the Bulls. These kind of things do help. So, um, but I'm just not sold. Well, I I think they're good, but I don't think that they're up challenging Washington or Toronto for that three four seed, right? I don't either, and they could. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they could, but I think a lot of people are already putting them in that tier. Or maybe even, I think some people are even putting them ahead of the the Raptors. Uh, And I'm just not there. Like, I don't think they're quite there. Uh, And so I'm with you. I think they're in that next group, uh, I'd say, with the Hornets. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, that's a team not part of this preview. We're getting to the Southeast another night, another day. But that's another team what I think is going to be sneaky good this year. That is going to uh-huh. climb up the ladder on teams. Um, but look, the Bucks are good. I just, I'm not sold that they're ready to make that step and become one of the next powers. And they're the kind of team that you think is one of the up and coming teams in the East, but boy, if Philadelphia stays healthy. They just rocket past them. Like, like, yes. So, um, and that's, and that's obviously there's a lot of ifs in Philly, but just on paper, I just think that the, unless, there's a lot more Giannis or Thon can make a step forward or they can get Jabari fully healthy with, I mean, on paper that Jabari Middleton, it just, it all comes together nicely, but I need to see it healthy and active and working together for a full year. Cause this always seems to be a team that takes a big step forward, then a little one back, then a step forward, then a yes. little one back. And, and yes. I haven't, I, I need to see the steady trajectory out of them before I fully buy in. Let's mention one more player. Let's go. Let's preview even not this upcoming season, but a little bit the following season. Greg Monroe is going to be a free agent. Yep. He was never the most natural fit, but he really he really had a nice year last year. Dug down and, and figured out how to contribute it in this defensive scheme that you just talked about. Still be efficient offensively. Uh, he was a nice, solid veteran piece for them. And this is where the Bucks have run into trouble in the past when they're they've had their ups and downs. It's because they've tried at different points to hand it over to youth. Like, they had Zaza Pachulia. They had Jared Dudley. Like, they had these veterans, uh, Ursan Ilyasova. They had these veterans who were, like, quietly productive and doing a lot for them because they're just smart veterans, make savvy plays, know how to play, know how to contribute to winning. And as, as you try and go younger, that's fine. It's fine to make upside plays sometimes, but you have to realize that comes with a risk of stepping back and, you know, this is a different team. This is just a the same relatively young team coming back, uh, and hopefully a little, for them a little more cohesive. But they're setting up to to take that risky move toward youth again 
uh, a year from now. And so to me, this is a real interesting year just to see whether they're set up well for that or not. Yep. Uh, do you, we'll move on to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, you live in Detroit. You have, you were blogging about Detroit long before you were working with us at NBC Sports. I have them as the eighth seed. I, I, I think they can creep into the playoffs in the East. Uh, but there's a, you know there are obviously questions there and it's kind of they kind of start with not Andre Drummond so much as as Reggie Jackson. I I also have them as the eighth seed and and before we get to Reggie Jackson I'm curious which team of uh, I'd say there are probably eight teams that are a little more popular to make the playoffs. Which of those eight do you have out? Is it Philly? Um, I have Miami. I have Miami out. I'm just not. I yeah. mean, and I'm not. I, I, this could before I put down the final. By the way, I have the Nets out in case you're curious. Um, <laughs> I, I, before this gets finalized, though, I I tend to have the Nets out I, or the Heat out. I should say just because I'm not I'm not as totally sold. Like teams that were really hot and then really cold tend to find a middle ground, and I'm just I mean Dragic has had a fantastic Eurobasket, but. I, I'm just. I need to see what they're doing long term. I need to see Justice Winslow all the way back, and we'll see. We'll see what they look like. But I think, I think the Pistons underperformed who they could be last season, and it starts with getting Reggie Jackson back on the court and with some chemistry to get that offense going. Right? Yes. Uh, and it, you know, the way I always describe it, Reggie Jackson wasn't necessarily the Pistons' problem last year, but he was central to all their problems. All their problems, you could kind of link back to Reggie Jackson, whether it was his fault or not. He started the year hurt. The Pistons were okay. He came back, and uh, they got worse when he played. Uh, he just wasn't up to snuff. He wasn't attacking the rim in the same way, wasn't pressuring the defense in the same way, which meant that the Pistons weren't getting the same open three-point looks. Uh, a lot of their role players had down years shooting threes. Uh, it meant that the pick-and-roll with Andre Drummond wasn't the same threat. Uh, it meant that, Reg- look, at Reggie Jackson did not adjust well to not being at full force. He kept playing the same way. And when you're still taking the same number of shots and dribbling the ball the same amount of times as when you're at full force, your teammates might not always like that. No. I think it contributed to some chemistry problems. So if he's healthy and playing you know, what he could do, playing how he did a couple years ago, uh, this team could be right back in the mix for the playoffs. Yeah. By the way, for people at home, they, this was a, still a top-10 defense. And I expect... Will be, but they lose Caldwell Pope. But they 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 lose Caldwell Pope. They pick up Avery Bradley. Um, defensively, is that kind of a wash? But you get better shooting now. Uh, well, I don't know if you get better. I think you get Caldwell Pope knocked down his threes. What's that? Caldwell Pope did a decent job of knocking down his threes. I shouldn't just throw him out there, but I think you get more offensive options with Bradley. Yes, yes, I, I think Bradley is better off the dribble. Obviously. He's not great off the dribble. I think there's a little bit of a bet here that he can do more as a creator for himself and others than he showed in Boston. I'm not sure if that's a good bet, uh, but the way it's stacking up, I think there is a little bit of a bet on that. I also think he's probably at this stage uh, more of a veteran. I think he's probably better than than KCP defensively right now. Uh, Neither is the most versatile defender, which is a little bit of a concern. Uh, You can't necessarily, uh, especially with Bradley, run a lot of switching things. But put him on a guard, ask him to lock that guy down. I'm not sure there's anybody better in the league. Uh, outside of maybe Kawhi Leonard, who obviously is a forward, uh, but he could lock down guards just the same. He, he can lock down four positions. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. Any any of four spots can be a problem for Kawhi. But I think that 
you're right. This is kind of a bet, but I, I, I like the versatility. I, by the way, I like the bet in this sense too. KCP was up for, I mean, you were going to have to, he wanted to be maxed out. He wasn't going to get that, but it was going to cost a lot of money to keep him. You're going to, you know, that comes up again in a year for Bradley. So you, you're, you're pushing, you're kicking the can down the road a year, but you might be able to get a little more versatility out of him. And, and KCP is on his way, you know, well, he's, he's, you'll be spending this year with the Lakers. And then it gets interesting because they they want to bring in two max guys, and that would mean he's out no matter how good he is. So we'll see what happens with his future and where he lands. But he's playing for another contract out in Los Angeles. But so is Bradley now, and I think that that's part of it. Like He's probably worked on his offensive game this summer trying to say, hey, I'm going to get an opportunity, and if I can show some offense, I, I get paid, man. Yes, and so, I mean, long term, that's kind of a, a pickle. Unless the Pistons have this great year uh, where you're thrilled to pay Avery Bradley, uh, great. But if you have only a good year, which is, like, not a bad thing, but then you have to pay Avery Bradley big money at the end of it, you know, that could set you back long term. Uh, I don't think the Pistons would complain if they have a good year, but maybe it's not the best thing. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of where they are, where they're, you know, going to be facing a lot of those same problems, but maybe a little better this year, which isn't, isn't such a bad thing. Like, as long as you're going to have these problems, why not eke out one more potentially good year? How big a problem is Andre Drummond's free throw shooting at the end of games? It wasn't last year because they weren't in enough <laughs> games at the end. Like, that's that's the thing. When the Pistons are bad, it's not that big a problem because teams aren't, like, they're not doing bang a drum because it, it doesn't matter. Like, you're probably going to beat the Pistons anyway. Well, I, bang Pistons, a drum is, all, is one of the best. It's it's up there with, you know, Hack a DJ or something. There, there's a few of them that have come on since Hack a Shack. Uh, but bang the drum's been one of my favorites. Yeah, that, it is a good one, uh, unless you're watching him shoot free throws. Exactly. And, and then it's not so great. Uh, I, I don't, I've always looked at Andre Drummond, like, that's one of his problems. Uh, his effort isn't always there. His focus isn't always there, especially defensively. Uh, he wants too many post-ups. Like, there are difficulties of having him on your team. The total package is worth it. Even in yeah. his down games, like, he is so big and strong and relentless on the glass and and just a, a powerful imposing player like he good things happen because he's on the court that outweigh the negatives the very visible negatives uh, there's often more subtle helpful things he does uh and so in the grand scheme of things yeah it's worth having him on your team for the pistons like he needs to be more they're paying him like a franchise player they've they've built around him like he's a franchise player uh, they need him to be more and, and not just be like worth having on the court, but to iron out some of these things. And to me, free throws is, is not, I wouldn't say the least of them, uh, but the effort issue is much more concerning. And I think something he has better control of. Yeah. Uh, he's still that's he's still though the cornerstone in a lot of ways of what they do. And defensively, I mean, this was a top 10 defense last year. The problem was, the, you know, with, like you said, centered around Reggie Jackson in a lot of ways in his play. And I mean, two years ago, that Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond pick and roll showed real promise. And that just it didn't exist last year as a dangerous weapon. They get some of that back. Uh, maybe Bradley gives them a little offense. They were 24th, I believe, in the league in offensive efficiency last year. That's not good enough. But if the defense is top 10 and you get that offense up to middle of the pack, you know, that's probably a playoff team. That's, you know, that's probably good enough in the East if they can stay healthy. 
Yes. Uh, one, one more player I think we have to mention when talking about the Pistons is Stanley Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Morris went to the Celtics in the Avery Bradley trade. Really opens up a, a lot more playing time, a lot more responsibility for, for Stanley Johnson. Uh, Tobias Harris will still be, I think, their best forward. But yeah. The way they like to use a, a couple combo forwards, like somebody probably needs to step up into that role, is probably Stanley Johnson. Uh, he has not been very good. Like the last, his first couple of years, he's been young. It's okay, but he was not very good. Uh, probably took a step back his second year, which is concerning. Uh, he needs to be a lot better for the Pistons to get where they they want to go. Is Stan Van Gundy's seat at all warm? Mm, at all warm, probably only in part because whose seat isn't? Like you, you can name the very few exceptions where their seat is not at all warm. Well, yeah. Uh, and so his is probably a little, I think he has a degree of, like, there's going to be some patience with him. Like, he's he's the owner's guy. He's also his own boss, right? So firing him is not just firing a, a coach. It's also firing a president of basketball operations, a complete overhaul of the franchise. Like, I don't think they're anxious to go down that road. Uh, and I think Van Gundy will will do at least enough to to keep that pressure off. But it's, it's, it's warming. But it, it's still, like, pretty cool. Okay. I, 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 and by the way, just on a personal note, like, Stan's one of my favorite guys in the league. Like, I love him. So I am rooting for him to stick around but, um, and, and, and make this work. But that, I think that coach-GM dynamic is something you're going to see a lot less of. It, you know, it flamed out with – we'll see how it goes with Thibodeau. Um, that's an interesting – they 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 Minnesota clearly got better, but there's some interesting fit there. They've got um, 14 big men on that roster, I believe. Um, <laughs> not a lot of shooting, and it's only not 15 because Andrew Bogut chose the Lakers. <laughs> exactly. So there's some really no, but that, there's some odd roster choices there. But it's you know they're taking a step forward. He's fine for a while. Doc Rivers is out uh, in in L.A. as as just wasn't able to handle it, and they you know. Now it's it's Lawrence Frank in charge with Jerry West whispering in his ear and but I think you're going to see less of that. Um, it really doesn't work unless it's a a special dynamic. You know, it works. Budenholzer's for, out with the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, good point. I forgot Budenholzer's out with the Hawks. You do get, you know, look. It's one of those things where like you can yeah, it works really well with Popovich in in uh, San Antonio, but. Much like with everything, like San Antonio is an outlier. Like you can't, you, you have to discount them from the from the cards in a lot of ways. Because I'm not sure that what they do is replicable by anyone else. So, um, and I think all that change, I think that warms Van Gundy's seat a little bit. That this tide is sort of turning against the dual roles. Uh, the Pistons owner like has to see that. Uh, whether he agrees or not is a different thing. But it is becoming a little bit more acceptable to move in a different direction. And we should add, a little bump this year. We'll see if it impacts them on the court, but they do move into the new building in, in downtown Detroit. Uh, have, have you seen it yet? I've seen the outside. Okay. Is it pretty? Um, Not really. <laughs> we'll see what it looks like on the inside and how... Sometimes teams get a little bump from that. There's a little more home court advantage. Is this? Here's the important question, Dan. Does this shorten your commute to games? Yes. I'm glad you realize what the important issues are. <laughs> exactly. It is all about convenience for us. And, um, <laughs> um, we will move on. The uh, Central Division has two of the worst teams in the NBA this season as well. Uh, but 
we'll go with the Pacers, who are going to be, I think, less bad than the Bulls first. Um, but Indiana, no Paul George. They bring back in that deal, though. Uh, well, let's be honest. It wasn't a very good deal. <laughs> it was a, a much maligned trade by everybody. They bring back Victor Oladipo and uh, DeMonte Sabonis. Um, so Oladipo has never quite lived up to the hype. He's a little overpaid. He's not terrible, but he's certainly not a franchise guy, and now he might be you know, the best player on that roster. Ooh, don't short Miles Turner like well, that. Well, that's true. I, I shouldn't do that. He is, I guess, Miles Turner is the guy they are counting on this to build around, but I think they, they're they hoping Oladipo can be part of that. Sure. I mean, yeah. Um, they, I'm, it really seems they're hoping for him to be way too big of a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and and to me, like, that trade, that trade was bad. But that was just the start. And, you know, we can compare him to the Bulls, who we can get into in a second. Like, the Pacers are trying too hard to win 35 games. Like this is a thirty-five yeah. win roster, give or take. Yeah, they now, do have. They, by the way, we should add they have. Look, Corey Joseph is they brought in as a point guard. Point, Corey Joseph is solid. Corey Joseph is solid, which was hard to say for some reason. Um, Thaddeus Young is on there, another solid veteran guy. Al Jefferson's solid. off the. You know, um, Lance Stevenson Jeff- is going to get his chances. So th- there's some pieces on this roster, but I could say, and they I had this, Bogdanovich and Collison too. Yeah, yeah, Collison. Like, bunch of bunch of solid, okay guys. Um. But I and this is the conversation I had um, when, with Mark Medina when we were doing the Pacific preview last year. Sacramento did a little of this where they just brought in some good guys who you know who can make that team not horrible and win them some games. And my question was why? If, yeah. if, if you're going to rebuild, like you okay, if you you make the trade, you bring in Oladipo, that's fine. Why are you bringing in extra veterans? Like, it, why are you trying to win games if what you need to do is draft a good young player, a great young player again? Like, um, yes. I, I, this is going to be and an it, okay team. Right. And so, like, if they're on the high end of okay, they sneak into the playoffs and then probably lose quickly. If they're on the low end of okay, they're picking, like, seventh. Like, why? who wants to be in that place? If they're in the, and if they're in the middle ground, they're picking, like, 11th. Yeah. And uh, do you see? Do you think? I'm I'm curious. What I mean, Pritchard is a guy who has rebuilt teams before. Is he looking for something else, or I'm I'm curious, like what his plan is long term here? <laughs> Me too. Uh, you know, and some we like we to be fair to Pritchard. I don't know what he's thinking or what exactly yeah. he was thinking, but a lot of this is top down from the owner. Yes, and there has been talk like they just don't want to rebuild that that he's kind of old and doesn't want to go through rebuilding and wants to see the team win like my thought is look at medicine's pretty good these days like i don't know how much longer you know he'll be around but you know i think you're better off trying to go through a quick rebuild spend one year in the lottery and then and then jump back and two three years from now you might have a good, intriguing team. Like it doesn't necessarily need to take as long as the 76ers. Your ceiling might not be as high. Like they made their ceiling so high by the the process and going through tanking through so many years. But you could do a shortened version of that and be better off in a fairly quick amount of time. How much do you think the change coming in lottery odds? And for people who don't know, this is Adam Silver's pet thing, and it's. I, everything I've heard now is that it's going through, that there will be lottery reform. So the three worst teams will be at 14% chance of getting the number one pick, and then it goes down by a percent or two from there. So if you are 12th or you know 10th, 
in the, you know with the tenth worst record in the league, you actually your odds of winning the lottery are going to skyrocket from what they were. Um, and I'm curious how much this impacts things because I don't think it does that much. I still think if you're going to try to be bad and get in that top lottery, you're still going to do it. I agree. Like if you're going to, what it changes is you know because those top three odds are flat. At the end of the year, if you're locked into one of the top three spots, you're not in this high stakes battle with a team for are you the number one seed in the lottery or the number two seed? I don't think. On the other hand, you still might be because I haven't seen like a full exact description of how everything with this lottery reform will work. And uh, because right now, if neither of those teams move up in the lottery, like if you have the worst record, you're picking before the team with the second worst record if neither of you move up. So there still is going to be incentive to have the very worst record in the league. Uh, not quite as much, but still enough. And so I, I'm with you. I just don't think it necessarily changes much how teams operate. Uh, and by the way, for the record, I, I, will, I, and I will and have described this, the lottery reform, as a, a Band-Aid on a broken leg. If, if, if tanking is your big concern, which the problem is, the only real way to solve the tanking problem, to me, is to, I don't think you're ever going to eliminate the draft, but as long as you have a rookie contract, if I you look the you know we'll use Markel Fultz, he was the number one pick. The Sixers have him for four years, then he goes into a restricted free agency where they will most likely get him for another four. I mean, you're going to have that guy for eight or nine years. And if he turns out, you got the designated veteran exactly. player extension. You can have him for thirteen. Right. If I can control a player for 13 years out of the draft, guess what I want? Like, I'm going to rebuild through the draft. And unless you make that rookie contracts are one year plus a team option on the second year type of thing, which small and mid-markets will hate, like, then there's going to be some tanking. And I get that it it bothers Adam Silver. I get that it's, like, it's not a good PR thing for the league to have – (laughs) <laughs> to have Miami fans in the middle of the last season going, why are we winning games? <laughs> like, right. But I think that that's just part of the nature of it. And by the way, part of the nature of the sport. I mean, this is unlike football, unlike baseball. If you have one of those handful of elite players, it changes everything, unless you're the Pelicans. It changes, <laughs> <laughs> but it changes everything. It gives you this dynamic and this ability to win games. Um, you have to, you know, you've got to really, I mean, if you're really going to contend for a title, you've got to have one of those top, we'll say 10 for lack of a better word, but pick the number of real game changing guys. And at least a couple of the top ones. And if you're not the Lakers or one of these or Miami or what team that can draw these guys via free agency, you've got to get them through the draft. So I, I just don't think this changes anything. Well, I mean, so not to get too far off topic, but I think we're already down this road a little bit. Uh, there, there's another way to do it beyond making uh, top-end draft picks less valuable. It's also to reward winning, right? We've yeah. decided, the league has decided, we're going to reward losing. Like, the more you lose, the better draft position you'll have. Uh, you could you could change the rules a little bit. You know, Rob Dalster had an interesting idea. I, I'm not the biggest fan of it personally, uh, but it's interesting of an uh, end-of-season yeah. tournament where the winner Gets, gets the number one pick. Yep. You know, we're incentivized it that way. So there are things the league could do, more radical things. Uh, but, you know, as, as the system stands, yeah, it's just very, very valuable to lose. Uh, the Pacers don't see it that way. No, exactly. The Pacers want to be okay. And, 
I think that's also there is there are teams like that. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Ask Orlando. I'm not sure that kind of trying to do it that way always works. But, I have a chicken or the egg question. Yeah. Um, do, does bad management, be, like people who just like don't really have a good grasp of how how to build a team, and no matter what their plan is, like they just they're not really good at it. Are they the type of people who hone in on this idea of man? We got to chase the number eight seed. We got to do all we can to like give ourselves a chance to sneak in the playoffs. Like, or is it a bad plan that when people, whether they would be good with other plans, that when they enact this plan, they always fall short and leave the team in just like in a terrible position. Yeah, yeah and that's that's. I don't know that that's answerable. I mean, but I think the other thing, by the way, now that we're this far down the rabbit hole, I think the one other thing you're going to see more of now is the Phoenix Suns mid-season tank. The oh, not, see, I think we're going to see less of that. We're we're not as good as we thought we were, so we're going to let's make sure we're in let's make sure we're bad and and maybe we can get a little bit better odds. Oh, see, I think we're going to see less of that. I think that's one of the things this proposal will stem just a little bit. Uh, because the Suns, look at if they were what did they what what did they finish? Were they uh second worst in the league last year? Yeah, I believe so. I'd have to look, but I think that that is correct. So they, yeah, they were second worst, but they were four games ahead or behind. However, they they won twenty four games. The fourth no, they, worst team was yeah. Philadelphia, right? Which won twenty eight. There's the guy. If they won twenty seven, they would have been in the. Well, uh, but again, I guess there's still the thing about slotting, but the odds of that are low. Like, if you're one of the three worst teams, it's going to matter far less whether you're the worst or the third worst. It'll still matter because of the slotting if nobody moves up. Uh, but but the odds of no, none of those teams moving up are low. Like it's just going to matter less, and so the Suns wouldn't have had to race all the way to the two, second worst team. They could have just settled in as the third worst team and been in about the same spot. So I don't think they would have had to be as committed to that second half tanking. Yeah, but what if you're, you know, I think you're going to see teams think, well, we can fight for the eight seed, or we can. Or we can see how far we can move down, you know, get us better lottery odds. I think you're going to see that now. I think I think you move the tanking line a little, but you're still going to see. You've it is it is worth more now, and it's to not make the playoffs in some cases. It also depends on the team. I should add. You, you're look for all of this we're talking about. If you get the eight seed and you get smoked in the first round, and you get two home playoff games, on average, it, again depends on the market and all this other stuff. You're going to clear about four to five million dollars bottom line cash to your to your team. That can matter. Like for a team, for a team yeah. hung, hanging around financially, hanging around even even you know with the revenue sharing and all that. And everybody should go read Zach Lowe and um, Brian Windhorst's piece at ESPN on on the teams losing money and revenue sharing. Um, but I think if you're hanging around, if you're around even like four or five million dollars is a lot of money it goes straight you know you don't for people who don't know you don't play you don't pay salary to players they in the playoffs there is a there's a bonus pool but that's handled through the revenues by the nba you basically just you rake in the money you rake in you make in a lot more and if you're somebody like golden state where what did they say it was five million a game that they they make five million each home playoff game they have nine home playoff games <laughs> that's a lot of cash, man. Suddenly, and now, granted, they're a bigger draw and all this other stuff, but 
even for a team like Indiana, you make that last playoff spot, you make an extra four or five million. That helps the bottom line, and and that will not be ignored by some teams. They will want that. So, yes. Uh, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, let's just ask this up front: Are they the worst team in the NBA this year? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not a lock. They'll have competition because of everything we just talked about. Like, there's incentive for every team in that race except for the Nets to to be the very worst. But, man, uh, I think they are the front runner. Yeah, I, Chicago's going to be uh, genuinely awful. Uh, obviously, the big offseason news for them, and, and they were the eight seed, by the way, last year. They were a 41-41 and 41 team. But gone is Jimmy Butler, and that's the he was a little bit of everything. In comes Zach Levine who has promise and some potential not not, not to be as good as, as uh, Jimmy Butler, but to be interesting. But he's coming off an ACL, so we'll see you know, what he is. And then after that, it's, you know, Dwayne Wade won't be around, and you're going to get a lot of, is, can Denzel Valentine play? I am not in the least bit sold Chris Dunn can play. Um, how? I guess we'll see with Laurie Markkinen. I was not horribly impressed at summer league but you know maybe he's got some it's way too early to write a guy like that off but this roster i mean cameron Payne. there's just it's not good yeah you know you know who's i think is going to end up as their best player next season it could be levine depending on when he gets healthy uh, but i think the safer bet is somebody who's not even on the team yet and that's uh nikola miritich yeah, that's actually a good point, and and, and he he's a restricted free agent. Um, he will, I'm will he take the qualifying offer and bet on himself going into a tight market next year, or does he I mean, does he just I'm, I don't know what's being offered, so right. I'm, I I don't know if he's going to take what's out there, but he might consider that because it is a tough tough market next summer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know either what's there. I feel pretty confident he'll wind up back in Chicago this season. Yeah. Uh, one way or the other at this point. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know what will be. And I don't, you know, who knows what the Bulls have offered because they drafted Lowry Markinen, who's a similar type of player. Not that yeah. you can't have both because it's not even it's not a guarantee that either of them will be a long-term piece or capable of being a long-term piece. Maybe it's better just to double your odds. Uh, so they might want him back on, on a long-term deal, but they might just, you know, be ready to move on to Markkinen. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Wade, I'm confident, will get bought out. I don't think we'll see him. I mean, maybe he shows up to camp, but I can't imagine that they really want to. Any, either side wants to go down this road. But what is their starting five now? It's a, Robin Lopez at center. I'll assume Markkinen starts in front of Bobby Portis at the four. I think it's going to be Miritich at the four. Oh, yeah, he's not on the list yet. Yeah, that's right. Miritich at the four. Let's say Miritich at the four. Robin Lopez is solid. At the three, Denzel Valentine or Paul Zipster? Uh, or Justin Holiday? Maybe Justin Holiday. Um, I think he's kind of a two-three, but you can play him there. Yeah. Zach Levine plays the two once he gets healthy, but you may I have to play Justin at the, the two. with the Bulls, by the way. What? I think I think it's kind of late in the game for a buyout. I, I think he's starting the season with the Bulls, and really? both sides are going to need to to be miserable with each other for a little bit before they can actually do it. Yeah, I think Wade also is going to do the veteran. I don't really want to go to camp. <laughs> I I can be okay without. If I miss a little, of this it's okay. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I don't. Um, 
he will get bought out at some point and land. Well, that's a good question. Miami <laughs> or Cleveland or, or wherever he decides he wants to go. Um, but I think he's the opening day shooting guard. Hmm. All right. Well, let's say he starts. And then, by the way, the worst point guard rotation in the NBA. You, you get your choice of Chris Dunn, Jerry and Grant, or Cameron Payne. Well, I, I think it's going to be done because of you know the what they apparently think of him. Uh, Cameron Payne is not going to be healthy and also has been terrible since he yeah, started. I, he's not, he hasn't even been an NBA player, frankly. Yeah, I mean, his foot surgery. Uh, I mean, foot surgery. He's out for. Oh, he's going to miss a chunk of the season to start. So, and, and then you know, Darian Grant is. Uh, I mean, well, maybe he's better than Chris Dunn. There's that. <laughs> so uh, the Bulls are, yeah, the Bulls are going to be one of those. Well, the the new lottery doesn't kick in yet. He's not a four. They 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 stand a very good chance of having that twenty five percent for the, uh, um, the worst. You know, the 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 number one seed lottery odds. I think they're going to be genuinely awful this year. So, um, we, we will see how it shakes out. But I, Bulls fans, you, you, what you've got here's the problem, Bulls fans. And, and, and Doug Collins is now in to help with this process, um, which may, maybe he's the adult in the room. We'll find out. It's a rebuilding. That's fine. You're going to be bad. You're going to get a high draft pick in what should be a really good draft with a couple of nice players at the top, uh, potential big men and a, you know whatever you think of the European guard. Um, and all that said, do you trust Gar Foreman and John Paxson to do this rebuild? I mean, that's the thing that ultimately has just got to scare the crap out of me if I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, I did think for a while that they were being a little unfairly maligned, like expectations were a little too high. Uh, this Jimmy Butler trade has certainly soured me on my yeah. whatever remaining confidence I had in this regime. I mean, what what an awful trade. Like, it's okay to rebuild. It's okay to say we need to hit the reset button. But Jimmy Butler was such a great asset. Like, if you were going to rebuild... You had such a big head start with Jimmy Butler, who was all locked NBA up for two more years, an All NBA player who plays on both ends. There just there aren't many of those guys. Like they they lost the trade regardless, but when they gave up their own first round pick, yes. they, they went from losing the trade to like really embarrassing themselves. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah instead of now having two first round picks, you know, it's and there were some decent, you know, again at sixteen. You're hoping to find a rotation player, but there were some guys on the board who maybe could have helped. So, you know, we'll... But they gave that away and to uh, Minnesota as part of that deal. And, um, yeah, all, all, thing, all things go right for the Timberwolves this year. Although, again, we just, that'll be another discussion for another podcast when we get into the, boy, they look good, but do they? Uh, conversation <laughs> with Minnesota. Um, uh, but but uh, don't you think the Bulls right now, like, so we just trashed their current team. Right. But don't you think they're in better shape than the Pacers? Hmm. I don't know. Miles Turner comes in there. Like, how good is he? Sure. Like, that gives them... Because I believe in him way more than I believe in Markkinen, and I'm not sure who... Like, Zach Levine, again, hopefully he can come back. Hopefully he can still have that same explosiveness and be... But what is he, uh, the third, fourth best player on a really good team? Um, I guess that's a couple of pieces you've got, but they need a piece. I'm not sure they have anybody as good as I think Turner can be, although he's he's got steps to take. I agree with that, but they, but they they are in way better position to get a high draft pick yes. this year in a draft that yes. looks like it's going to be very strong at the top and then drop off quickly. 
Yeah, there, yeah. I mean, it's early. That always changes, but that's how it looks right now. Yeah, they're, 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 teams are pretty high on the first few slots, even maybe the first five or six there, where they think it's pretty good, and mm-hmm. then it, then, it, then it comes down depending on uh, who you talk. And we haven't spent a lot. I'll be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time on that, and uh, everybody's really high on and on Luke now out of, out of, after playing well in in uh, uh, Euro basket. Basket, but yeah, we'll see. Um, what you know? There's there's questions about his athleticism as an NBA at the NBA level. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I think you're right in the sense that they're in position to maybe get one of those potential franchise guys. And by the way, those kind of like, this isn't going to be a Chris Stapps Porzingis won't give the Sixers his medical records type of situation because he doesn't want to go there. People go to Chicago. Like uh-huh. you're, go- you're going to be able to, you're not going to have agents fighting to keep your guy out of Chicago. Even if they have questions about, uh, Foreman and pa- you know, the Garpacks, uh, front office, you want to go to Chicago. You you want to be. That's a major market with a lot of potential. And if you're if you're a star there, you can do well. So um, you, they'll be able to get who they want at the top. Um, and I think they'll have a. I think they're going to end up with a really high draft pick. So you, if I, I realize that Adam Silver hates the tanking, but you're going to have a lot of people in Chicago rooting against their team this year, or rooting for Chris Dunn, such as it is. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that that will cover the Central Division. We will be back soon. We're kind of bouncing around the NBA with more of these. Uh, Thank you very much for your time, Dan. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, go to iTunes and subscribe. Comment there. You can get us there. You can get us on Stitcher. And, of course, you can get all these on NBCSports.com. We also have uh, an audio boom. You can go over there and find all the NBC Sports podcasts. But... Frankly, it's probably easier to find them on NBCSports.com along with all the latest NFL news and uh, all the Winter Olympic prep that's coming up. So you can check all of that out. Thank you for listening. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.